This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away back. Goal. Go hey! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, it is an absolute beautiful day here in the East Bay at the Coliseum. It's the start of the Bay Bridge Series Saturday and Sunday. We honor our great friend Ray Fossey today. And then tomorrow it's going to be all the new A's Hall of Famers. It's going to be just one heck of a weekend. And normally on Fridays, we have the Mark Kotze Show brought to you by NestBetting.com. NestBetting, they have locations here in the Bay Area. Or you check them out online. Use the coupon code OAKLAND to get... 10% off your entire order, your bedding, your sheets, your pillows, you name it. Mark Kotze sleeps on a nest bedding bed. He he absolutely loves it. Let's turn him up, please. User air right there on the commander. (laughs) So usually we have you on Friday, and since we had the day off yesterday where we all got to recharge, it was nice. We're doing it here on a Saturday. Got you on video. It's always great to have you. And, you know, I got to think yesterday – a chance for you to sit back and just enjoy a day off and also really enjoy how your ball club's playing. Yeah, it was a great day. You know, you, we, we spoke a little bit. You don't get a Friday off in, in the big leagues very often. It might have been my first Friday off uh, in 26-plus years. Ever? Yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes you catch a holiday every once in a while off that you don't really expect, a Memorial Day or Fourth of July. But uh, Friday afternoon, uh, very relaxing. Uh, day at home and then uh, jumped the flight last night to make sure I was here and, and ready to show up and uh, and get to work. You know, we don't think about it that much, you know, because when we watch you guys, we, we see you in uniform, we, we think of you as baseball players and, you know, you're the manager, you got your coaches. But these off days for all of you, even though it's only one day, for you to go from Anaheim to San Diego, wife, kids, it's important to have those connections, you know, during a season. You can't disconnect from the family. You get, you, you still got to be present as a husband, as a father. And I think fans, we don't think of it that way, but it is really key, especially for you and your players. Yeah, without a doubt, you know. And uh, as a family, you, you, you try to get as much time as you can during the season together. Um, but then you take advantage of the quality time in the off season. You know, you look at our, our job and – uh, we're grinding for seven and a half months, day in, day out. 
uh, occasional days off like yesterday. But then when the season's over, you really do get to capture and make up that time and invest in your family and your kids. And uh, so that's kind of the approach I've always taken. Uh, you know, in the off season, you get up at seven in the morning, you take the kids to school, you, you, you pick them up, you yep. grind, you just get in there, you know, <laughs> and you got that opportunity to be there, be a part of their lives really uh, full time. And, and, and those that are in the working class, those that grind and, and, and work nine to five jobs, they miss out on some of that opportunity and some of those days when you get to go at a three o'clock scrimmage and see your kid play a you know, high school football game. I'm going to miss that for the next uh, six, eight weeks. But, uh, you know, uh, eventually you do get to spend a lot of quality time on those four months you're off. I was picking up Willow Glen cheerleaders last night at 9.30 at the Santa Clara Convention Center for cheer camp last night, which was awesome on a Friday night because normally I would be here and not able to do that. So it is those uh, special times. When, when I think about your message down at spring training, you know, a lot of us could sit back and go, all right, here's Kotze. It's his first year. He's just, you know, he's talking the talk. He's got to say this kind of stuff. And then who knows, we go out on this journey. You have a ton of losses. You know, you have the, you know, the June was the worst in franchise history or one of them. And, and then you're like, okay. But your message has been true the entire time, no matter what. Whether it's now where you're playing good, 9-5 and five since the All-Star break, I got since July 4th, last 26 games, you're 15-11, and 11, or we go back to that June. Your players, the message has never been lost. You have played hard the entire time, and I'm pretty sure no matter what, from here on out, the same thing's going to happen. I think you've got to be proud of yourself, your staff, and your players that no one has deviated from that message. Well, the players really have built this culture, and, and they believed in it. Uh, as we left camp and I've spoken a little bit about, you know, some of the things, the challenges uh, that, that took place as, as we became a team and then we, the team dynamic changed through the, the uh, obviously the trades and how we had to stay focused on what we could control and not what we can't control and uh, that the next, man, the next man mentality, next man up. Uh, and we went through it again here recently in the, with the trade deadline and losing two of, our, two of our leaders out of our clubhouse to impact players. Uh, in, in Frankie Montas and Lou Trevino. And these guys have come together really and just moved forward. And, you know, it's, a, it's tough to, to see a friendship walk out the door. You're happy for them that they're on their way to a playoff contending team, possibly a World Series contending team. Um, but the message here is just, hey, we're going to prepare to win every day. And we're going to you know, look up at the end of the year and uh, not, not hang our heads, but be proud of the fight and, and what, it, what we went through. And, uh, and, and what we've accomplished. Yeah, whenever it happens, it, it is very emotional. I mean, we saw it down, you know, you've seen it obviously way more up close, but, you know, we got to see you down in Mesa, you know, Sean and I gets traded. Guys are cr crying with Sean in the clubhouse. It's very emotional. I mean, you've been through it in your career and you're now doing it as a skipper. But for you as a guy who's preparing to win every day, whether it was spring training or now, how do those losses of those players affect you? Yeah, you know, for me, and as you talk about, I lean on a little bit of my personal history in the game and being traded, um, you know, being released or designated for assignment. Um, and so, you know, I think you just you have to be able to move forward, like you said, and move on and, and, and you know, understand that uh, there's no rearview mirror in this game. You've got to just keep going forward and uh, plugging in guys that, uh, are now going to have an opportunity to solidify themselves as a number one or as a closer. 
and, uh, and contribute to this team's success. Well, one thing is for sure in these next two days, and I'm making it uh, very clear, I can't stand them. <laughs> I, 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 grew up, uh, I grew up not liking the San Francisco Giants. I've never liked the San Francisco Giants. Uh, just the whole Bay Area thing, the way they're treated versus us. I understand the Giants got here in 58 before the A's. You understand it as a player. Uh, what is it like, though, for you when you see the Giants as a former A's player, coach, now a manager, Bay Bridge Series, what does it mean? Well, it's not as deeply rooted as your, <laughs> as your hatred for sure. Um, you know, I like those guys over there. I mean, they're good guys. Um, but, yeah, it, it goes just back to the fact, like, regardless of who the opponent is, we're going to try to win every day. So, um, you know, this series, I think we split it over there. Um, two really good contested games. I don't. Hopefully, uh, you know these games are are great games, and and the A's come out on top. Um, you know, so uh, from that standpoint, growing up a Dodger fan, I wasn't real fond of the Giants as well. So, um, but obviously, it's it's a little more rooted where where you're coming from, Tony. Well, speaking of a Dodger fan, oh, tough loss, obviously, with the great Vince Scully, who, you know, whether you grew up in Southern California, you grew up a broadcaster, a baseball fan, my God, NFL. All the big calls he had in the NFL. I mean, he did the Masters in golf on CBS. I was going to say he did golf too, didn't when he? When we were kids, yeah. you're like, he was like, <laughs> people think of Jim Nance. You're like, no, when we were kids, he was the Masters, right? Yeah. So, uh, obviously, for someone like yourself who grew up a Dodger fan, not an easy day. No, not really. And and he, I think, brought a lot of the love of the game out for me in watching baseball. And my, my greatest memories um, of, of Vince Scully lie with – how he introduced myself as a major league player, the passion he had, the knowledge and depth he had of, of not just me as a player, but me as a person. Um, descri describing a seven-year-old boy riding a BMX bicycle for a national championship, talking about my father, the fact that he was a Los Angeles Police Department motor officer. The stories he told, like he got to know me and my family and he cared about everyone. Not just, I mean, yes, this is a personal story about me, but you could talk to any baseball player that, that was maybe a local kid from the Los Angeles area, and he studied you. He knew you. It's like I get these notes that have, like, everything about you guys, right? Like Vince Scully had this secret database. He did. That he could say, as you said, as seven years old, growing up in Southern California, he would sell hot dogs on the car. He had, like, this secret information that nobody else had. I mean, the, and, and Dave Roberts, I saw the clip uh, just in my office a little while ago, but uh, the, what is it, the three-word time for Dodger baseball? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it was, a, it's awesome. And as an Oakland Athletic fan, you never wanted to hear the greatest line ever, the impossible the improbable the improbable whatever yeah, the yeah. impossible has become yeah, the improbable I mean, I mean it was unbelievable so what actually was that what was it cody when the impossible has happened on a uh, something what was it uh now the problem i have the call of it if you really want to hear it. i mean yeah. the call is unbelievable <laughs> yeah and that's what i grew up with you know so well i you know we went back and listened to the catch yeah. NFC title game. This is the great Dallas Cowboy dynasty, and you're now just seeing for the first time, is this old guy Bill Walsh and this young guy Joe Montana going to work? And I went back and watched it because you know, we were little kids when it happened, and he was like, 
you know, could this be the start of a new dynasty? And he was dead on, dead right? Because yeah. after that catch, the San Francisco 49er dynasty would roll on. Now, as, as we start to look at your club here, and we're going down the stretch, this is game 108 for you. What exactly do you want to see? Because there's got to be, we've called it the year of discovery. There's got to be some type of stuff that you want to see that, that you're looking for into next season. Well, obviously you want to be able to see some progression, some, um, you know, in the right direction for the young guys. The young guys are, are here and they're trying to establish themselves. And, you know, you, you obviously want to see this team continue to, as you talked about, continue to fight, to continue to, to put their head down and, and, and go out and prepare to win every day. Um, you know, the guys down in the bullpen, the younger guys down there, the A.J. Pucks, the Zach, jo- Zach Jacksons, even Danny Jimenez, even though he's not a young by age, he's still young and experienced. So continue to see growth. I mean, that's the biggest thing for us. We need to continue to improve and continue to, to see growth in the right direction. Yeah, not to harp on the trade deadline, but is it nice now that we don't have a waiver wire process? Like, I didn't get to trademark Kotze, but now I can put him through the waiver wire prot. Now that that's come and gone, we don't have to worry about it anymore. Well, you don't have to worry about it, but then you also would, you know, if there's an opportunity, I was put on the waiver wire. And Probably guess multiple what? times, and right? And guess what? I went to the Boston Red Sox and had the greatest run in 2008 I ever had in a playoff run and fell one game short because we lost 3-1 to one in game seven to the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. One game short of making a World Series, which I wouldn't have had that opportunity on the Atlanta yeah. Braves because they weren't going to the postseason. So Frank Wren traded me, put me on the waiver wire. Red Sox showed some interest. Boom, I was gone and on a playoff team playing meaningful games in September. And I'm thankful for that. So in one way, it's yes, it's very helpful that these guys now feel good. They, they're not going anywhere. On the other hand, if you're a veteran player looking to go compete with the possibility of making make a, a playoff run with a team, that chance isn't there anymore unless you just get released. And then now if you get released, there's no guarantee of a team picking you up anymore for those playoff runs. So it's, it's, a, it's a catch, you know, 22 and in, in, in whether it's beneficial or whether it's not really. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I'm happy for Lou. If anybody needed a re- reset, it was Lou Trevino. And Lou going to the Yankees now, shaved the beard, reset, and hopefully p- pitching some meaningful games. Because obviously his numbers here were tough, and it's good to see him. Uh, get a get a second chance. So now you got a roster. It's an interesting roster, and you got to get at bats for a lot of guys. You know, I, I think a uh, uh, Dermis is going to be in the game today, and Jonah, Jonah Bride is going to be in the game today. How do you start delegating the at bats? I know Elvis is a veteran player. Maybe he doesn't get as much time here in the second half. How right. do you start delegating right. at bats? You want to get Nick Allen in there every day, see what he's got. Yeah, we do, and that that's the difficult task. Uh, it's one that I have to manage and. Uh, be, be honest with these guys, be upfront with them, uh, and make sure that they understand, um, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to win as many games. We're also trying to see these guys and, and evaluate them for our future. And, and uh, so, you know, ultimately I think there's, there's the DH spot. There's, there's some, you know, chances to, to move around um, and, and utilize, you know, the matchups to, to be able to hopefully get guys enough at-bats to, to, to allow them to build for their future and also, um, you know, next year. Quickly, let's end on this. For your starters, and we were talking about this the other day with Dave Stewart about a guy like Paul Blackburn. Even though Blackburn and Cole, they have been in the big leagues and been in Major League Baseball or professional baseball a long time, but really haven't gone, all right, 
this is 30 starts year after year after year. How do you monitor that as they're kind of learning what a full true season is like? Yeah, I'm sure Stu talked about it, and that's one thing we're looking at right now with these young starters is is where they're at in, in their innings pitched, uh, where their velos are at right now. That's important to track. And then how they're holding up physically, their bodies. And, and we can tell that now uh, in the weight room with the strength, and, you know, strength coaches. Um, we can monitor that. And, uh, you know, going forward, we're really going to pay attention to it. And, uh, and we may um, look at ways to, to give them an opportunity to have maybe an extra day rest or, uh, or um, you know, lighten their workload to a certain extent. But ultimately, we haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, but as you talk about, we have to stay on top of it and continue to evaluate it. Last 20 games, 31 home runs, 69 extra base hits. It's a, been a lot of fun to watch. Thank you for your time. As always, it's the Mark Kotze Show brought to you by Nest Betting. Enjoy the Bay Bridge Series, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Tony. That's your skipper right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. We are live on the field getting you ready for the Bay Bridge Series coming up here at the Oakland Coliseum. We will honor the two-time World Series champion, two-time Gold Glove winner, two-time All-Star, the great Ray Fossey today, giving away his patch, and then tomorrow... We have the Hall of Fame inductions, which is just going to be spectacular. We'll have everything covered for you here on A's Cast. As Ray Fossey will be going in, Keith Lippman will be going in. We'll have Steve Vucinich, who's going to be stopping by. When is Vuce stopping by? Uh, Vuce will be here at 2.15. Steve Vucinich. Salbando. Eric Schaub is not going to be here, right? Correct. He's a video message. But we're going to honor him. Uh, we're going to honor him later this year whenever the Mets kinda, come to town. Kind of tough as uh, – He's a coach right now. Yeah. He, Mets are trying to win the NL East. He, he's got a job. Who am I mi- – oh, Salbando. Joe we'll Rudy. Joe Rudy. So it's Keith gonna, Lippman. I said that. Oh, okay. I didn't hear you say Lippman. We're going to honor them on Sunday. Going to be really special. But I'm going to be dead honest with you. And what to me is, here, we need to move. There we go. And not, there we go. We're, as if you're listening, we're adjusting on, on the fly here. We'll do it live. All right, here's the deal. Here's what the Bay Bridge Series is. This is, and in, 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 in what our world is, 
this is when the Bay Area media acts like they care about baseball. And it's really sad that we are one of only five markets, because I will count D.C., Baltimore as one of them, that has two teams. You look at New York, you look at Chicago, you look at Southern California, you look at the Bay Area, and then, of course, you look at uh, D.C., the Beltway, as they like to call it, between D.C. and Baltimore. And the fact that our media does not care about baseball. It cares if the San Francisco Giants are good. If you look at the coverage last year, and the Giants warranted it, they won 107 games. But now that the Giants are in an absolute free fall. <laughs> That's an understatement. And the Giants are 11-12 and 12 since July 21st, the worst record in baseball. They're trying to avoid a fifth losing streak of five games or more. It's now Niner time, right? So now we're going to see all of these people who are Bay Area media who don't care about baseball, but they show up. Somehow, we still give out press passes to everybody, and they show up one time a year. Oh, wait, excuse me. Some of them will show up two times a year because they came to watch Steph Curry throughout the first pitch, and that's all they show up for, and they go walking around like they give a crap, and the reality is they don't give a crap. They don't care about baseball, and probably one of the most frustrating things of them all is a bunch of them have Hall of Fame votes. They don't even attend Major League Baseball games in their own area, and they get to vote on whether guys have their history for the rest of time in that wonderful museum in Cooperstown, New York. Like, for example, I'm not going to call out certain people, but I saw a couple people that came out here just to see Steph Curry, and it's against the Astros. So those Astros team, that, that Astro team has multiple guys that will at least, well, for sure, Right now, Justin Verlander on another great streak, having won seven in a row. Probably the front runner right now for the American League Cy Young Award as he's very historic at 39 years old and what Verlander's doing. Hats off to him. It's been a a pleasure to watch him so many times here at the Coliseum, even though it was at the A's expense, especially in 2012 and 2013 in the postseason. But, you know, they came out. You had people with Hall of Fame votes who literally came out to watch Steph Curry do a bad batting practice, a horrible first pitch, and don't even give a crap about the Houston Astros, who are guys that you're going to vote for someday for so to potentially be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Our Bay Area media from a baseball standpoint is an absolute joke. And the Bay Bridge series, and I'll call them out. I'm going to do it on this. I'm going to call it out on whether anyone cares or not. At least somebody will is that they're going to take a moment to get away from 49er camp and whether Jimmy Garoppolo, oh, it's I, I saw Matt Mayoko, by the way, the other day. Great. Matt Mayoko's awesome, one of the good people in our business. And he was telling me how you think about how long Matt Mayoko has covered the 49ers, this relationship of Jimmy G. Everybody's cordial. Everybody's great. But they don't want him to practice. They don't want him to get hurt. They want to get rid of him. He doesn't want to stay. But he's saying all the right things. It's very bizarre. But they're going to take two days away from Niner camp to actually care about Bay Area baseball. That's what the Bay Bridge Series has become. It's the one time that our phony Bay Area media acts like they care about baseball and acts like they even know anything about the game. It's pretty pathetic. But this series does mean a lot and 
from a standpoint of when it comes over here to the East Bay, it allows people who, for whatever reason, I don't know, they will not make the trip, even as Giants fans, they won't make the trip over to Oracle Park. I don't know if it's finances. I don't know if it's location. Whatever it may be, you see a great amount of A's and Giants fans at the Coliseum for these games. As these games are highly attended, they're going to be highly attended the next two days. I've been people coming out of the woodwork uh, who are actually, you know, all my buddies who are A's fans who, who want my tickets for the next two days. But it's also for a lot of Giants fans who, like I said, for whatever reason, are not able to go to games over at Oracle Park, can come here and attend games and enjoy baseball. So from from a standpoint of the baseball community here in the Bay Area, and really whether you see it in Chicago, you see it in New York, you see it in Southern California, or you see it in D.C. and Baltimore, there's just something special about the two-team markets. Is that where – it's just so different when you grow up in a town. I mean, there's so many towns who don't even have baseball or have major league sports, but a lot of these towns, you just got, you know, Cody grew up in Pittsburgh. They don't have the American League. I grew up in San Diego. Didn't have the American League, even though the, uh, the Angels were just right up the road going up uh, I-5. They were right there. But this gives you a chance, you know, for for you to see the other side, which back in the day you only got to see, like, in 1989 – which would have been the World Series. You didn't get to see the American League and the National League. And now you get to see everybody, and now with these two teams playing against each other, I've called for years, and I do believe it's going to happen. And I've learned from my guy Dave Stewart about what they're doing in Nashville, how they are going to get – there's going to be an expansion. Baseball wants to expand to 32 teams. So that means – that they're going to have to realign everything. And how we do it now is ridiculous, that the Rangers and the Astros are in our division. The fact that the Colorado Rockies are in the division for the San Francisco Giants is absolutely ridiculous. So when they bring in these two new teams, you are going to have total realignment, and I have to believe what they will do is what is smart is we'll start seeing – the National League and the American League, basically, it's going to get broken up as we know it. It shouldn't shock anybody else. If 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 USC and UCLA can play in the Big Ten and Oklahoma and, and Texas can be in the Big 12 along with Missouri, you say Missouri, Cody, um, you can easily start having divisions where and would be a great division if you had – Giants, A's, Dodgers, Angels, Padres in one division? It makes sense. The geographic geographical location is perfect, and you're right, Missouri is what I call it. Um, I hope that does happen. I don't know what you do with the Mariners and what you do with the D-backs, though. Um, yeah, uh, because they both play in the Pacific time zone, too. Well, Arizona is different time zone for half the year, but I think you have to keep them somehow, but that's something that uh, you'll think we don't have to figure that out. That's something with people that make – Way more money than us have to figure out. Yeah, and you'll be able to, and that's why they want to get to 32 teams and they want to copy the NFL model when they do it. But, yeah, that to, to, have, to have what we have today, what we're going to see, what we see when it's over at Oracle Park or what we see here, 
I mean, you're telling me the Dodgers come here. Now, I mean, who doesn't want to see the Padres now with Juan Soto when Fernando Tatis comes back and when you have Manny Machado and and you throw in the Angels. I mean, you think of the star power alone in California when you've got Trout, you've got Otani, you've got Soto, you got Machado, uh, Manny Machado, you got Fernando Tatis. I mean, you got Mookie Betts, who may be better than all of them right now. Freeman. I mean, you have just unbelievable, Freddie Freeman, you've got so much talent in California alone. Uh, what that division would be. Now, obviously, players will come and go long term, but I just like the idea, and we'll see the next two days what I'm talking about, how it's just good for baseball when you have geography make sense. There is no sense. Look at the passion that's going to be in the ballpark today, and tell me if you're ever going to see that passion when the Texas Rangers come to town. (laughs) Uh, You might get some people that root for Marcus Simeon, but that's about it. That's, uh, I'm, but I'm talking passion. Yeah, yeah, no. Fan base is like, you can't tell me. And let's be fair to the Rangers, right? If I'm in Arlington, Texas, let's call it Dallas metropolitan area. Fort Worth, yeah. If, I, if I'm in that area and you say Oakland's coming to town, it means nothing to me. Well, I mean, what, what's, the, what's the there there? At least you can always have the Southern California versus Northern California rivalries that's something you can sell and something that you can have, and that would be better for us. And, yeah, I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to say, what is better for us? Like Houston, if Houston doesn't get through the cheating scandal, I mean, Houston became a rival because of scandal, because we felt slighted. There's never been a the connection between Oakland, California, and Houston, <laughs> Texas, right? This is, for God's sakes, they were a National League team for all those years. It just seems like, you know, we're not that far away. And really, what's keeping all this from happening is Oakland and Tampa. The minute that the Oakland A's, and hopefully, knock on wood, we're going to get that answer as soon as possible in Howard Terminal. And the same thing, I'm not up on what's happening in St. Petersburg and Tampa. But the minute that we get the answers that Major League Baseball needs – and I've gotten this from Dave Stewart. We talked to Dave Stewart. Was it last Friday? Uh, two Fridays ago. Last, two yeah, Fridays? yeah, yeah. Last Friday, because well, if you don't count tomorrow, last yesterday. Yeah, last Friday. So Dave Stewart is going to be the owner, the managing general partner, and he has a group of the Nashville Stars. And the once once Oakland and Tampa slash St. Petersburg get their situations established. Major League Baseball then can announce it's two other cities to get to 32 teams. And what are they waiting for? And that's the A's and the Rays. But once that's situated, then we'll find out. Baseball has the plan. We just don't know it. I know Dave, uh, an A's Hall of Famer, is speaking to the commissioner and is up to date on a lot of stuff. But, you know, whether you're put in – Whatever is going to be the East, how they're going to work the Central, how they're going to work the West. Maybe they go back to what they used to have, just West and East. You know, how the National League and American League. I mean, you know, things changed over the years in the NFL between the NFC and the AFC and everything. I mean, regional, obviously trying to get regional rivalries back as the main thing will happen. That's what, you know, the alignment will have to be redone in baseball. But I can't wait. And it's all it's all on us. 
it's on us and the Rays getting situated. Once we're situated, we're going to have those numbers. I've lost track of time. What, what uh, we, we got plenty we of time. It's like 135, one, yeah, 134. Who's up next? Not till, not Voos, not till Voos at 215. We got plenty of time. Um, I do like the idea of having, you know, the, the balance. I like the balance schedule that's coming in next year. So every, everyone's going to see every team. It'll be great if you're, for me, like the, the Pirates coming to Oakland or the A's going to Pittsburgh if I live like that. That's great to see other teams you don't see. Say you're a fan of an American League team like Baltimore. Um, well, you got to see Juan Soto, but you, don't, you never see Tatis. You never see Machado. Well, well was Machado was there, fun, but it was, but it was it, the, the way that they'd come to your place or you went to their place, yeah. and then it's going to have to be three years. And no, I, I the fact that every single young kid, every little girl and every little boy loves baseball. I think we're seeing this like with certain markets where you take advantage and you start building. I think that's where Juan Soto, the, the move, whether, you know, you sent me that article going, wait a minute, how are the Padres going to financially take care of all this? That That's a great question. But what you're doing is every little boy and every little girl there that's going to those games now is a fan for life. Yeah. And so you start building the generations. You start planting the seeds. Yes, you have the adults now. You get the kids involved. And I think starting next year – yeah, it is important that in our game to grow our game, I think of all the Raider games that I did here behind us here on the field at the Coliseum. The fact that Tom Brady came to town, right? Peyton Manning came to town. Like, everybody came to town. Like, everybody came to town. At some point in the NFL, everybody plays each other. But in baseball, you'll get it every single year. I mean, the fact that... You look back on how archaic it was years ago that, you know, you had the National League greats never played in the American League parks and the American League greats never played in the National League parks. And you'd have these you'd have these crazy historian people would be like, well, that's what made the World Series so special. Yeah, well, that's a week. Back in the day, it was a week. That's how they played it out, one week. Now you talk about the growth of your game. Your game is a global, international game. You know, the fact that you will have every single team and every single star. You know, we talk about how to promote players and make player awareness bigger in baseball. How great that will be that everybody will come to this field. Everybody will go over and take on the Giants at Oracle Park. So you name whoever the star player is. Like right now... It's a, I would think it was a travesty in baseball that not everybody gets to see the Shohei Otani show. This is a once, potentially. We're now warming up to it now that we saw some players in the draft. We're now going to see more players in the draft who are two-way players. Giants got one. Who, who the front office is going to be open to and going to say, okay, we're going to give this guy a shot in the minor leagues. Let's see what he can do. But it would just it would be dumb of baseball not to allow this maybe once in a, a lifetime player to showcase his skill in every ballpark in base. There's 30 ballparks in baseball. This guy should be showcasing all 30 of them, for God's sakes. You're seeing a once in a generation, once in a lifetime talent. I mean, God's sakes, the other day against the A's, he's pitching the next day, he's hitting two home runs. When the hell have you ever seen that? And when will you ever see it again? Probably, I mean, 
You're right. There are more two, two-way guys playing. The, the Rays have one in Brandon McKay. The Giants got Reggie Crawford in the draft. There's more guys coming, but people like uh, a player like Otani, we're not going to see someone like that. And what he did the other day, the two solo home runs, the Angels hit seven solo home runs and still lost the game. One of only six teams ever do that. Uh, that, that was just remarkable to see the ball. I mean, that ball, the second one Otani hit that was so far inside, that curveball so far inside that he took out to right center was just unbelievable. The guy is a immense talent, and he's not going to – there was an article that just came out in the L.A. Times the other day, and, um, he, you know, he said it's hard to play with a high morale, you know, high morale when the team's not winning. Like, how do you blame him? How do you blame him and Trout? You have two generational talents that can't win there, and, no, and go, tying it back to the sport – not everyone gets to see these guys play. There's kids growing up that never saw Mike Trout play in person probably still. But coming next year, you get to see an interleague play. Helps that. Interleague play started 25 years ago. Now this is the 25th year. A's and Giants. A's 71 and 65 in interleague play versus Giants. Also 4-0 in the World Series. Don't forget that. So I think it's going to be good for branding of the sport when this comes around next year for everyone to see a player like Otani. Because who knows, this next year could be his last year in Anaheim. And well, he could be a Yankee, a Mariner, a Giant. Well, not, I'm not the Giants, but Yankee, Mariner, Met. Well, well you, need to, you, you need to take advantage of showcasing that, too. And that's where you got to be like, you know, I think back like when Jordan would come to town here in the Bay Area. The Golden State Warriors were garbage. I mean, they were terrible. Michael Jordan's come to town. Michael Jordan's come to town. What did they start doing back in the day? And it went from Jordan to Kobe and Shaq. They went to these ticket packages. Well, if you want to see the Lakers and Kobe and Shaq, you got to buy X, Y, and Z to go with it, right? You made it an event to see the best players. The best players are coming to town, making an event. And that's what baseball truly needs to do. They need to make it an event. Why does everybody keep texting us? Well, I mean, I mean, because we're – we're probably very – we're immensely popular on Twitter and YouTube, so people want to join in. Stop. They want to text us their, their thoughts. Stop. You can comment on the YouTube page you can, for whatever, whatever people – if you have an opinion, comment there. I'm still trying to get us a text line, uh, which will be, be great. Very, be very afraid of a text line. I dealt with a text line the majority of my career. Let me tell you, about 80% of it's garbage. <laughs> Or you know what? You know what? Send you. You know what it comes. It becomes the bitch line, is what it becomes. <laughs> I don't like this, and I don't like that. Why did you say this? I mean, very few times will you actually get a text. Whenever you say I want to involve everyone, be very afraid yeah. of what it means if you want to involve everyone, because you know what? Uh, the the people who are the loudest end up being the uh, biggest issues, and they end up texting the most, and it just becomes the hate line. Over and over. I remember, like, it got to a point to where it was funny. You could tell the radio hosts when they're so consumed about the text line because the text line is always negative, and show hosts try and act like they're, they're, they got big bravado, but all of a sudden people start ripping them on the text line. It, like, hurts their ego, and they start responding everything to the text line. It's like, got to turn that off because it's just the wine line. Um you that's, know, that's good, the wine line. The wine line. It should be called the wine line. <laughs> well, you can do that now on Twitter. If you don't like us, you can tweet at us, at AthleticsCast24. Send your vitriol, your hate, your praise, whatever. I won't read any of it. He'll have yeah, to. Yeah, I have to deal with it. <laughs> you know, one guy I want to get on the program, and Mark Kotze addressed it. And for him, it's a different story. But to me, the fact that the deadline has come and gone – has helped this team. 
And it's helped this team from a standpoint of not having to look over your shoulder anymore. That you can step up and you don't have to answer the questions from someone like myself, uh, Matt Kawahara or Martin Gallegos who are standing over here in the dugout where you know, you're wondering, am I getting traded? Am I gonna get moved on? What's gonna happen with the front office? You look at Sean Murphy and what he has done since that slow start. Last 27 games, hitting 311, 15 extra base hits, 17 RBIs. And I wanna get him on the show and I want to ask him, what is the difference between now, the last 27 games, and essentially the start of the year where he came out of spring training and he was absolutely red hot. Spring training, he, he talked to us on here on Ace Cast Live. He talked to us about all the strikeouts and the low batting average bugged him in the offseason, and he wanted to make that change. Not only did he tell us, he told other people in the media, not a whole lot were down there, but he told the other people in the beat writers that it just didn't sit well with him. And it's one of those, one of those deals where I don't know what happened because he was crushing the ball. Absolutely everything he hit down spring training while we were there, he was just lighting it up. And then he comes to, to regular season, and he couldn't hit. Just couldn't hit. And Mark Kotze had to move him down in the order, and he really, really struggled. And you're like, you know, listen, hey, this guy, this is the one piece they're holding on to. He's 27 years old. I mean, this is he's heading into the prime of his career. And I just wonder what happened from spring training to severe struggles, start of the year, even into June, and then now in the last 27 games hitting 313. And actually you could really kind of say early June is when he started getting it rolling, finally. Like what was the difference? Because it's not injury. Wasn't he wasn't coming out? He wasn't nursing anything coming out. You know, unless, unless it's something that that he kept hidden. I don't know of any. Do you know of anything that uh, he kept hidden? No. Remember, la, remember, it was last offseason. He had the what was it the collapsed lung that we, that we found out about. It happened over the uh, offseason, but nothing this year. No. So it's like I don't know why he struggled, but you know, as he struggled, so the A's offense. And if the A's offense, in a way, is going to be built around him, you know, that's something, you know, what, what do you learn from this slow start to take you to where you are now? Because it's very obvious, and seeing even Jim Bowden talked about it in his article in The Athletic, the former GM, where he, may, he gave the A's a B at the trading deadline. And you kind of forget that Christian Bethencourt is a part of that trading deadline transactions but he talked about he thought the A's would move Ramon Laureano and Sean Murphy at the deadline but they kept both they didn't receive the offers that they wanted so it's going to be okay he's 27 years old you're saying right now 
He's the show. He's he he's the showcase. He's the guy in the middle of your order, 27, 28 in his prime year. Or I should say his prime years. What's he going to give you? And it's to me a little odd that we have so much catching depth. Cuz I'll be honest with you. I don't think you need a big offensive catcher to win. I think that's far overblown. Yo, uh, I see Astros how that's going. Martin Maldonado, Steve Sparks. Sparks, he told us that uh, you take, you know, he says, Dusty Baker could tell you Martin Maldonado is the team MVP, and he's hitting a buck. I haven't checked, but he's probably still hitting around a buck 50. Yeah, he wasn't doing well. And they did get Christian Vasquez at the deadline. He's a pretty good hitting catcher from the Red Sox, but Maldonado's still their guy. He's he's going to be starting the playoff games. Yeah, the and staff they, loves him. And they don't care what he's doing offensively. And Ray Fossey, who we're honoring today. Would, I have the patch on too right here. Would tell you he doesn't care. He, I don't care what he does offensively. Manage the game. Be the leader. Be the guy who leads the staff to victory. Wins are still – I love telling you the offensive stats, but wins are still about defense and pitching. And you are the leader of that as the catcher of the team. So knowing that, my God, we got Langoliers at AAA. Bo so, Taylor. <laughs> so, Soderstrom, out. Wow. Um, you were talking about catching depth. Stop. <laughs> Soderstrom, you drafted as a catcher. I Obviously, he's going to get moved because of his bat. Now you just draft Susak. I mean, you've got a ton of catchers, and you got a catcher in his prime. There, uh, what are you doing? There, there's uh, another one, too, C.J. Rodriguez and Stockton might be the best defensive catcher in the system. Catcher out of Van I'm tired of hearing about catchers. Only one place. <laughs> I want Julio Rodriguez hitting bombs in center field. I want a guy hitting bombs in right field. I want a guy that does everything. He runs, throws, hits, and you've got a bazillion catchers. I'm not building an organization. I'm not building an organization back to where we need to get on having a ton of catchers. Only one catcher plays per game. And you're not raising a kid to be a DH. Unless one of these kids is going to be Big Poppy or Edgar Martinez, I'm not raising a kid to be a DH. So, I I don't know. Like, next spring training, if I'm sitting around going, well, hey, man, uh, you look at the top prospects, they're all catchers. And you got Murph? What are we doing here? I need more pitching. I need more. I need I need guys that come. I need, I need to look up at the scoreboard and not see 215. They, they need outfield depth in this system. Denzel Clark's been having a very good year. He had the two back-to-back He's games. He's so on. far away. I know, but like that's the only guy I can think of in the system that's a good outfielder. He's so far away. Now, he, remember, he, now, he, exciting, he did have the back-to-back games with the inside-the-park home run. Then he hit one out last night, an actual home run out of the ballpark. Yeah, that was that – was, um, was that over the weekend we were – yeah, I think it was Saturday. No, it was – No, is, wait, wait. It, yeah, it yeah, is wait. Saturday. Wednesday. It was Wednesday and Thursday, I think, or Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, when that happened, I asked Stu. I'm like, all right, Stu, you've been in baseball a long time. I mean, Stu's been in baseball dating back to the 70s. Have you ever seen something like that? He went, nope. And to think about back-to-back days for Denzel Clark, I didn't see the highlights of either of them. Did you see a highlight? Uh, I saw the second one. Was there a misplayed ball I don't think so. I'd have to to go back and watch it again to remember it. Okay, there is no – I have never seen an inside-the-park home run that didn't have some type of misplay. You just don't hit the ball into the outfield, and, I mean, he's fast, but 
I don't know if I, there's always something that goes on to have an inside the park home run. It's not a perfect relay. It's a, there's always something that has to happen. And to have that happen two days in a row at the professional level, I mean, usually it's a quirky bounce, it's a bad throw, it's a bad, you know, and it's a type of quirky thing defensively that the, the official score is not going to give an error on. To have back-to-back games with inside-the-park home runs is truly amazing. But getting back to it, it's like, yeah, what I would like to see, I'd like to see some behind me whether we're going to have, you know, if Gallof can be a stud third baseman, great. But that's what you need. Uh, having a boatload of catchers, I mean, it works for trades. I mean, if you're looking for an organization, I mean, that's where the rumors were between the Cleveland Indians, or excuse me, the Cleveland Guardians and the Athletics about Sean Murphy. But in the end, getting back to Sean, uh, love to have him on this week and talk about so I was watching one of the home runs. One of them hit up like the top of the wall and it bounced. Yeah, there's always something quirky that goes on with them. Yeah. You know, you know how hard it is to hit a ball to the outfield and have a guy run all the way around and make it safe? Yeah, unless you're uh, Ricky Hen- – not even Ricky. I'm trying to think of like the fat well, – Billy first, Hamilton could do it. First of all, no one's ever no one's ever done it. No yeah. one in professional ba- – it came out yesterday. I saw it on Twitter. Uh, no one has ever done that in the history of baseball where you've had back-to-back – Inside the park home runs. It's yeah. just, it, it, it's absolutely insane. But, you know, the thing is, we're seeing good baseball by the A's. And I wanted to throw the stat about outscoring the opposition. By the way, real quick, I, I told Vuce to come over at 2 so we could have more time with him. He said that's good with him. What time? 2. So we got about 8 minutes. The A's have won 9 of their last 13, outscoring the opposition 59-47. to 47. And we talked to Steve Vogt earlier today off the air as Steve Vogt right now is taking BP. What an inspiration he has been to this ball club and these players. And he told us that this is the most fun he's been, you know, this is the most fun he's been having. He just, you know, he came over, we laughed about the stolen base that he had against the Angels, but he's loving his time. You know, this is such an interesting time for a player in his life because he knows this is the end. He's enjoying, like he said to us, he's enjoying practice. He's, enjoy, he's enjoying the meetings. He's enjoying preparing for the games. And what he really is doing, whether he knows it or not, is he's really starting to prepare, to prepare himself for life after baseball, which I just asked him, what was it, about 20 minutes ago? I asked him off air, I'm like, you do want to manage someday, and he says yes. You know, you got to deal with the young kids and see what happens. Uh, but Stephen Vogt, as a manager in Major League Baseball, I bet would happen. And to know how people feel about him, obviously catchers make great managers. They're, they're guys. They're the one position. Why do catchers make man- – well, because they're they're in every pitch. Catchers are are behind the dish helping make decisions – and they come into the dugout, and they're talking to the pitching coach. They're talking to the manager. They know if a guy's got good stuff. They know if he doesn't. They know what's down in the pin. They're like a they're like a secondary manager for you. It's the only position, as I say all the time, everybody's looking in at you. You're looking out at them. 
To be a very good catcher, you have to be very cerebral. And to think about Stephen Vogt and how people feel about him in the game, that when his time has come and he actually hangs him up, he immediately, I, 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 don't, I don't know what that route will be for him. Probably being a little bit of a front office guy to start out with wouldn't be bad. I mean, he has the knowledge of, of the on-field, no question about it. I think it's also very key at times, Bob Melvin got this with the Mets to be a part of the front office to understand how the front office works. You know, because the old school manager, it doesn't work today. You're gonna have to work in lockstep with the front office now. You know, the key to being a great manager in, in today's baseball, and this works, I, I don't know how much so much in football, but it really works in the NBA, and it really works also in the NHL. You've got to manage up as, as well as you manage down. And what I mean by that is you've got to be able to manage the owner, owners. You've got to be able to deal with the front office. You've got to be able to deal with the GM. And now it's just not a GM anymore. My God, you've got to deal with the president of baseball operations the vice president of baseball operations the chief baseball operator the i mean officer the officer you got the gm you've got assistant gms so as a manager you've got to deal with all these guys and once again you got to deal with the owner you got to deal with the rich guy who like let's say he's an artie moreno type and he's a hothead you got to deal with him like looking back, we don't know the inner workings of that. I would be very interested to know how things were between Joe Madden and Artie Moreno. Yeah, I'd want to know that too, because you thought he was going to be the guy that led you into the future, took you to the uh, playoffs. He was. He was the savior. He was. You know, the last time the Angels had won the World Series, he was a part of my, Mike Sosha's staff, and. Uh, that's so. Not only do you have to manage up, you got to be able to manage down, and that's your staff and your players. That's an art form. So I think Stephen Vote might be a good idea, maybe to have a little front office time before he gets back into uniform. Coming up next, we're going to have one of the new A's Hall of Famers right here on A's Cast Live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, when you think about the Oakland Athletics, you think about the tradition of the Oakland Athletics, 
one of the main things about our organization is loyalty. And when you're a part of the family, you're in it. And our next guest has been a part of the family since 1968, since day one of the A's coming west from Kansas City. And tomorrow he will be inducted into the A's Hall of Fame. And if anybody is to be inducted, there's no question, Steve Vucinich, you should be because you've been a part of the fabric of the Oakland Athletics since day one. And now that you've retired, wow, what an honor. It really is. Um, like I said, I've been here since 68. Um, I always thought once we established a Hall of Fame, which was long, long overdue, uh, I would eventually get in and be honored, but I didn't expect it to be this soon, first year out of retirement. But uh, it's a special feeling. I mean, going in with the elite group that I'm going in with, the people that are already in there, um, it's, it's, it's so special, especially for you talk about just a sock and jock man who uh, can get honored this way. A sock and jock man. I love it. But what I, you know, it's like you could go in really with any era because you would have worked with any of the players, but there is something special for you in your life, let alone your career, going in with, with Ray and Sal and Joe and what those 70s teams meant to you personally. Absolutely. I mean, we won three World Series in a row on a team that's put together by Charlie Finley, and he did a great job through the draft and free agents. And to see those guys come back to go into the hall, uh, me be a part of going in when they go in. Like I said, it's an elite group. Uh, guys that meant a lot to me. And then uh, Eric Chavez going in, unfortunately, he won't be here tomorrow. But but him going in, too, and seeing his career rise from the time he was the number one draft choice at age 19, being an all-star in the Cal League, which was almost unheard of at the time, and his for his storied career here in Oakland. So uh, these are all my people. They're yeah. all my people and uh, uh, guys that I've been around with and you know, parts of seven decades here, they said. I, I didn't even realize that until somebody mentioned that this morning. But uh, it's really an honor, especially for somebody that never put on a uniform except to shag balls down the left field line. You're just a sock and jock guy. Just a sock and jock guy. That's the standard line. Why did you hang him up? Now that you've had time, Why? You know, there are things I want to do when I'm healthy. Uh, I just got back from an Alaskan cruise. We were gone 15 days altogether, 11 on the cruise and a trip up to Denali. There are things I want to do. You know what? Um, the, the job got more and bigger, and that's why with my successors, they've kind of spread it out a little bit. The hours were long. That's what killed me. Uh, I won't say killed me, but that was a detriment with just the hours. I'd wake up, have a half hour at home, read the newspaper if you can get one delivered, and a cup of coffee, and I'm at the ballpark. And I got a half hour at home after the game's over. So it was the hours, it was long hours. And, uh, you know, 54 years, that was enough. I was just turned 70 a couple weeks ago. And, and uh, I've had, I won't say I had enough. I love the game. I watch every game on TV if I can. Uh, got the MLB app and listen to you guys. And you guys get me through my workouts on my cardiac rehab every day. Me getting all angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, what's funny is I'll have the earbuds in and I'll be listening and they monitor you with a little heart monitor and they can tell over there and all of a sudden the girl come up, what are you laughing at? <laughs> <laughs> I said, if I tell you, you wouldn't believe it. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it was time. It was time to move on. And uh, 
I've seen too many people in my position die in that in this job yeah. and, and never move on and do the things that they wanted to or deserve to do. So it was time. You know, you talk about you know leaving the position, but you can't leave the organization because, as I said, it's family. And for you, this is whether whether, whether you. Whether you're officially working for the A's or not, I mean, this is this is a big part of your life and your love. I don't think there's ever going to be a time you can turn it off. Absolutely. It's just like somebody said, you watch our games. Why do you care? I said, you know, you just can't turn the faucet off. I'm, uh, this is my life. These are my guys. Uh, you're one of my guys. Everybody here, I see them every day during the season. And, and, you know, I'm getting words passed on to me. I think I mentioned on TV the other day from writers in Chicago, from writers in Baltimore. Um, so they're a family. This is my family, and uh, that's why, you know, I still got to be a part of it. Got to be around. And the and the game changed so much during your time. I mean, you think of like the the late '60s. You know, forget you know everybody wants to talk about the '70s. You got to remember these guys came over from Kansas City. So you've got a young Reggie Jackson. You've got a young Rick Monday. I just saw a picture the other day. It's Joe DiMaggio talking to Rick Monday, Reggie Jackson, and like having just saw a picture of Rick Monday. Now I think you know because of Vin dying, Vin Scully passing away. And I think Monday's like 76 right now. And just think about a a young Reggie, a young, and, and there's Joe DiMaggio in the uniform. I mean, if you go back, just what baseball players were like in the late 60s to what they are today, you saw all those changes. Absolutely, and I know that picture because they, they've run that a lot lately. John Donaldson's in that picture, Joe Rudy. The respect they had for listening to Joe DiMaggio, I and mean, that was not a stage photo. That was Joe talking and everybody just kind of gathering in because Joe had never been in uniform with a big league club other than going to spring training occasionally with the Yankees back in Florida. And so when the team moved out of here, Charlie hired him as a vice president. It was more of a, a uh, headline position, and he could sit in on some negotiations. I know he sat in on the uh, talks with the Atlantic Rich, Richfield people, which was a predecessor for ARCO, and they were a big sponsor here, and he sat in on a couple of those and probably sealed the deal. But uh, uh, that was a great photo. I saw those guys come up. You know that these guys were going to be good, that they were putting it together. They were all played together in the minor leagues. Uh, they're like brothers. They're like family. Uh, they knew each other so well, and you could see them gel in 68 that was the first time they'd played over 500 balls since Charlie Finley had owned the club back in Kansas City. And then in 69, we're expected to contend. Had some injuries in there, and it didn't happen, but you could see the foundation being laid. And uh, the only guy in, uh, that it was really traded away, and it was, he was traded for a vital piece, was Rick Monday traded the Cubs for Kenny Holtzman, another starter that we needed at the time, and that kind of uh, solidified our pitching staff for 72. Yeah, you know, some of the pictures that you had in your office, you know, one of my favorites I, we, you and I used to always joke about was Colonel Sanders. The late, the late great Colonel Sanders in the white. Was that a tuxedo? What was that? Or a suit? But he always had – Colonel Sanders always had the little black bow tie and the white suit or – I guess it wouldn't be a tuxedo. It would have been a suit. Yeah, that was a real Colonel Sanders. The Everybody, real. There have been so many imposters over the years for <laughs> – for commercials and things, but that was a real. And, he, and Kentucky Fried Chicken was a big sponsor then. They catered food in the press lounge occasionally and, and uh, had some advertising here. And So he was making a goodwill tour around and came out. And I was fortunate to have a picture. I said, that is probably the most, they, they said that's the most recognizable person in the world next to Muhammad Ali. 
Colonel Sanders. Colonel Sanders. And that is a sad note here on A's Cast <laughs> Live. But there was also the picture with Joe D in there. What was it like, Joe DiMaggio, when he started walking around in an A's uniform, that the other American League teams would see Joe DiMaggio in an A's uniform? That had to be like, wow. Well, you know, Joe was an icon then. The, uh, the movie The Graduate had just come out. And as, as a Simon Garfunkel sang yeah. the song, and uh, so he was. Where have you gone, uh, Joe DiMaggio? So he was resurrected again, and then coming into uniform with the A's, um, everybody wanted to talk to Joe because he had not been around. He hadn't been to Detroit. He hadn't been to the White Sox. He was real like private. That. Absolutely, okay. very private person, and uh, so he was traveling with the ball club and. It wasn't like us later on, but it was almost like a rock show because he was the man. Uh, Reggie wasn't the man yet. Campy wasn't the man. Joe DiMaggio was the man in an Oakland A's uniform. What, was he Mr. Because, you know, Joe DiMaggio, obviously, did, I, was not, I was born in 72. Me, I, knowing baseball history, Joe DiMaggio the great, but Joe DiMaggio to me as a little boy was Mr. Coffee. And you want to tell was, you, was he Mr. Coffee yet? I'm gonna. T- he was. That was coming on, and I'll tell you the little secret. He didn't even drink coffee. Are you serious? <laughs> he had a Mr. Do, coffee. Do not machine. tell me Arnold Palmer did not use Pennzoil. <laughs> Arnold Palmer used Pennzoil oil, right? Please I'm tell sure me. I'm sure he did. And he drank Arnold Palmer's. But uh, Joe uh, was a tea guy. Really? So we used the uh, Mr. Coffee to make him hot water for his tea. Okay. Not to say before he before I knew him, and maybe when he was a player, he drank coffee, but he didn't at that time when he was with us. You know, one of the things I always love talking about, you know, having read the the Last Dynasty and the Charlie Finley book, it, it, and it just does not get its due. And, and Charlie gets a bad rap. This is a guy. However, you feel business wise, he made a lot of money, so bought a team. It's his team. But he ran the team from Chicago. He won three straight World Series, but they win the playoffs, 71 to 75. He did all of that from another town, from a from a from a rotary phone with a cord, folks, not a cell phone. He ran a baseball team from a phone in Chicago that won three straight World Series and is one of the great runs in the history of baseball. And when he was trying to sneak out here. We would find out, and that's all of a sudden the guys in the front office would put their ties back on, and here comes Charlie. And Charlie says, well, I like the way you guys wear ties every day, but they didn't. But Charlie would be on the phone all the time. He'd call and complain about a $5 phone bill, about $5 laundry bill and spend $6 on a phone call back in the days before it was cheap like it is now. Yeah, he ran it. He had his people here that he talked to. He was a general manager. He was making all the trades. He had some scouts that he would rely on, just get some information, and he'd maybe – call scouts of another team who say, oh, great, I got a call from Charlie Finley. Yeah, yes, about this player. Next thing you know, we trade for him, and the guy becomes a better-than-average player. Uh, he uh, didn't like spending money, uh, except for players at the beginning, and then the arbitration process kind of wore on him, and he decided to bail out. It was a good time. But uh, he understood baseball and talent, and uh, he spent a lot of money in signing bonuses before the draft and once the draft started in 65. So uh, he was a pretty good, smart baseball man considering he made all his money in insurance. Well, you know, a lot of people, the way he's looked at when, when you say about being cheap, but now how we know the game has gone to where the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, they all went to salary caps. Why? Because it works. 
and it's better for the game. The problem that we have now in baseball, where you have the teams that have a ton of money, teams that don't, it's just, it's it, it's such an odd balance in the game of baseball. Charlie said that would happen, and he was right. Charlie thought it would happen sooner than it did. The discrepancy now is what, where our payrolls are at $47 million, and a couple of clubs are 270 280 That's a big difference. But how about in 1990, after we'd won the World Series in 89, we had the highest payroll in baseball. Yeah. 1990 we did. I mean, it was maybe 27 28 million dollars but it showed that we could compete now the discrepancy is just so far apart well the revenue streams charlie didn't know what they were gonna be but he just knew at some point that certain teams wouldn't be able to compete we didn't know at that point the internet that we you know everything was about attendance then we didn't know about cable new ballparks all the money you're going to get from merch, merchandise, what you're going to get from the app. I mean, the, the the pie would grow bigger, but the bigger markets had a chance to make more than the other teams because it just wasn't about attendance anymore. Absolutely. And, and they used to say your break-even point was a million in attendance. Now that's not even close. <clears throat> you got uh, Kansas City and St. Louis and Milwaukee. They don't have big TV contracts. We have a bigger one here in Oakland. But um, the whole revenue sources from – the internet, MLB.com, uh, the TV thing, the national TV, that's what's paying all the bills. Charlie was smart enough to realize that at that time, it was time for him to get out. And uh, he did. He sold the club and who, uh, you know, tried to move it three times to Denver. He mentioned New Orleans and uh, Marvin Davis, a million, billionaire from Denver, wanted to buy the club and move it there. And, and, and I think I told you, Chris, there was one time we opened a season in Anaheim. And Charlie Finley came in and said, don't rent apartments in Oakland because by the second homestand, you'll be playing in Denver. And that had been unprecedented, a move during the season after you start in one city. Wow. I mean, the, the Mariners, uh, and I'm sorry, the Seattle Pilots moved to be the Milwaukee Brewers, and they did it with about three weeks left in spring training. That's as close as that's ever come. But, uh, yeah, the club almost moved, and, and uh, the Coliseum in the city of Oakland and County of Alameda had an ironclad lease on the A's. And they came close to letting them out so they could get money on a buyout. And then they could afford to buy, do skyboxes here. And that's what Al Davis wanted because in the skyboxes for football, you don't have to share that revenue. Yes. You just share the price of the ticket. So that's what Al Davis said. He thought he needed to compete with free agency on the horizon in the NFL. And uh, they thought they could make that deal and keep the Raiders. And uh, there were a couple of attorneys down in Oakland that sat out all weekend figuring a way out and figured out, and it's been written a long time ago, that you could not directly appropriate that money that they would have got, which would have been $4 million from the buyout of the A's lease, and put it into the Coliseum. You could not directly do that. And that saved the A's uh, for Oakland. Uh, Charlie Finley was smart enough. Hey, his cousin Carl said, let's hire Billy Martin. You won't have to pay him much because the Yankees are paying him. And let's instill some some uh, uh, interest in the A's, and, and this is a young club that was coming up at a time with the with the uh, Dwayne Murphys and those guys, and uh, hired Billy, and all of a sudden it took off, and it made the Haas family in San Francisco realize that this is a treasure for not only Oakland, the East Bay, but all of Northern California. And so they got the interest and purchased the club, and the rest is history. We've been here since. Wildest times in your tenure, which basically is all Oakland A's history. 
Uh, except this year, you won't be able to count this year. Um, yeah, you are. You're still around all that. Uh, wildest times. Is it Billy Martin? Um, probably. Billy Ball. Billy Ball. You know why? Because it saved baseball. Um, we started winning in 1980 with Billy coming in. And like I said, we had a nucleus of a good young club. And uh, people all of a sudden got interested. And after drawing oh, like 310,000 in 1979. 310. I mean, we used to do that in a homestand in the 80s. But uh, <laughs> so we got some interest in there. And it's then like we, arena football. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. So in uh, in 1980, we drew like 800,000 or something, and that's one of the interests of the Haas family, as I mentioned. But Billy, being an East Bay person, and I'd go out with Billy in the afternoon off season, and we'd stop here, stop there, and everybody loved Billy from his Oakland Oaks days, remembering him from his Yankee days, as, not only as a manager, but as a player too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was quite wild times because we were saved for Oakland. You know, I'm born and raised up the street here, and you know, I felt great accomplishment and proud that this club was going to stay here. Are you shocked? Maybe you are, maybe you aren't. That the club is still here, playing in the Oakland Coliseum, and it's 2022. Well, if you take me back to 1977, 78, 79, yes. But when you see the success we had in the 80s. Uh, with attendance, the uh, interest in the A's, that uh, uh, I am not shocked. I mean, I, this Vegas thing kind of wears on me. What are we going to do? I don't know. Something's got to be done here. Uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's a tough call, what we're going to do. Um, uh, we drew all those crowds in Oakland in the 80s, and I think people forget we were going against Candlestick Park. Coliseum was a better place to go to a game, easier to get to, more fun. The Giants had some bad ball clubs in. I'm talking about mid-'80s. And literally the worst weather in the history of professional Absolutely. sports, yeah. Candlestick Park. You drive on uh, 101, whether you're going north or south, and as soon as you get to the fog, you go uh, go east, and there's Candlestick. So, it's horrible. But, uh, so we went against Candlestick Park and some bad Giant teams, and, and that really helped elevate us. Uh, as far as interest and fan base and everything. But uh, what's going on now, I don't know what's going to happen. I just hope it's for the best of the organization and we get back to competing all the time. Money started getting big in baseball. I remember when Nolan Ryan was the first million-dollar player, right? And you're like, wow, a guy's making a million dollars a year. I'm assuming it was sometime in the 80s. You know, Ricky, Canseco, we start seeing that three, four million a year. When was the first time for you, because you're dealing with the players, wants, needs, dealing with them constantly. When did you start going, wow, these guys are really making some generational wealth? When one of them would drop a paycheck and I'd pick it up and i say, God, you're only making that much. And it was clearing like 28000 for two weeks. That's when it kind of hit me. But, uh, uh, you know, it's part of the game. It evolved. I mean, we all started making more money, too, because the players were making more money and, and uh, the ownerships were fun and uh, took care of us. And, and uh, But the players making that much money, it's like they didn't go from 300000 to a million. I mean, it was a gradual increase, so it wasn't that much of a shock. But uh, uh, the, I hear people now say, God, they're going to pay pay uh, Trout $40 million a year. They're going to pay this guy that much. I said, when's the last time you saw a, a player put a gun to an owner's head and say, sign this, you know? They're not forcing them to uh, pay them that much. 
But uh, that's what the market bears, so they have to pay them. And that's what I said last week on A's Cast Live. When when was the trading deadline? Second. Yeah, the second, August 2nd. That was uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. So I said said this, uh, I think it would have been Tuesday's show. I said, you know what? You know what the San Diego Padres did? The San Diego Padres just exposed everybody because what the Padres showed is the money's there. If you're going to take on, even though they were able to get rid of Hosmer, but the fact you're ta- you got Machado, Tatis, now Soto, and what he's going to get in arbitration, let alone if you get a big deal, it just shows even a small market team like the Padres how much money they're getting. They're just willing to spend it. Absolutely. Um, their ownership is pretty – Pretty forceful that way by letting A.J. Prowler go ahead and speak. And they're, I think they're averaging 37,000 fans That's a game. before Soto. <clears throat> You're right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, like I said, no, but no player has put a gun to an owner's head before he signed that big contract. No no doubt about it. And it's, uh, it's going to be just to watch our game go. If there was something that – because people need to realize you were always in the dugout for all these games. Is there something that you could see – Good, bad change. Just a change as you as someone who loves watching the game and you've watched the game evolve, what change would you like to see in the game? Well, that's a tough one. Um, The big statistical thing, the knowledge you get, you might as well use the stats if you've got them. So I have no part, no, no bitch about positioning fielders in certain spots. I mean, I love seeing a ball hit, and I thought, oh, God, that's a base hit for somebody, and boom, there's a second baseman 10 feet behind uh, second base, and he's turned into a normal ground out. So I don't know if positioning is something that uh, they need to change or looking at. I've heard uh, rumors are that no infielder can be on the outfield grass starting next year. I don't think that's come to full play yet, but uh, – as far as a change, I don't know, we've got bigger clubs now. I mean, uh, bigger rosters. Uh, some of the new rules have just baffled me. I mean, not only be able to face, you have to face three hitters unless the inning is ended. Um, so the rule changes, maybe they're good. I don't know. They haven't been proven to me yet. But uh, the big change to me in my whole tenure has been uniforms. <laughs> lots of uniforms. Lots of uniforms. Some teams have eight, nine different jerseys. It's unbelievable. Lots of uniforms. Lots of hats. Lots of changes. Let, let, let's end on this. As obviously the big deal is tomorrow. Uh, today, though, also a big deal, honoring Ray Fossey. You've known Ray Fossey for, my God, since the 70s. Uh, very good friend of yours. Unfortunately, he is not here with us. Just... What do you miss about Ray, and what's a great story you could give us on the way out about Ray? You know, when we made the trade for Ray in the spring training of 73, we traded Dave Duncan and George Hendrick and got Ray. And at that time, there were two big league catchers that were well-known. I mean, the best in the National League was Johnny Bench, and it was well-known that the best in the American League was Ray Fossey, although Thurman Munson was evolving at the time. So he comes over, and I thought, God, this is really a, a, a nice fit for us, a nice piece. And being the nicest guy in the world, uh, always want to interact with the clubhouse guys all over baseball. He didn't go up to the press box as soon as he got to the ballpark. He went to the clubhouse to talk to the visiting clubhouse guys, maybe the home clubhouse guys. His fairness to everybody in the game, including fans, I will never forget that. He was the most personable guy. Uh, 
that, that there is. I mean, he he loved the game. Nobody loved the Oakland A's more than me except for maybe Ray Fossey. One thing I like to tell people all the time, and you know what Ray Fossey meant to me in so many different ways, but just from a, a, a professional standpoint, when we launched A's Cast, there was a lot of people who were, what the hell is this, right? You remember when we launched it, they're like, what are we doing, what are we doing? Yeah, right? There was a lot of people who didn't believe, and they, they would lie to me and say, this is great, and then I'd hear what they were really saying, and I knew, and I've kept my mouth shut over the years now that we're the number one podcast in all of Major League Baseball. Those, those were all the old school people. Yeah, all the, they didn't, you know who loved it was Ray. Ray would come over every, hey, Tony, what do you say? He'd come over and he'd, he put his headphones on. And in the offseason, Ray Fossey, every single week, would come on for a half hour. Yeah. Ray loved Ace Cast. He loved the idea. He'd be listening at home on the app. He yeah. loved it. He was the one guy who went, this is great. This is going to be great for the organization. While everybody else was like, oh, my God, what are they doing? Ray Fossey was the one that really backed us. That's amazing. It's, it's good to know that he, he was progressive. He understood that this is a this is a way to go, and maybe it would extend his career a little bit too. I'm, I'm not saying that he did that in a selfish way, but he understood all the facets of of broadcasting of the media and did a good job with it. Well, how about this guy coming right here? Andrew Bailey's coming up here, a guy that uh, obviously you knew for many years. That's, that's an A's Hall of Famer right there. Well, welcome, welcome to Vusa Palooza. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Bailey here, Giants pitching coach, of one, course. One of my favorite guys. I text him all the time, don't yeah, I? Yeah, I, I can't follow this one. This is a tough act to follow. You know, he's going into the A's Hall of Fame tomorrow. Congratulations. I thank did not. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Very very well deserved, that's thank for you. sure. Thank you. Well, it, it's been a pleasure. I, I By the way, are we going to have dry eyes tomorrow during the speech? You know, you said that. I I, I did pretty well last year on the uh, on You Steve choked Busey. up a little bit. It's, I don't remember that, but anyway. Um, I, I hope not. I, maybe I make 20,000 people cry. I don't know, but not me. Be great stuff. Congratulations. If anybody earned it, it's you. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Cody. Enjoy Bruce. tomorrow. Andrew, Congrats. good to see you. Good to see you, man, always. I mean, that's the one thing about, you know, as we said, you'll always be our all-star. <laughs> uh, coming back, well, I mean, that's the one thing. When you come back to Oakland, it's always coming back to family yeah, for you. Yeah, generational Have a seat. Have a seat. Absolutely. All right, Bruce, good seeing you, man. Yeah, no, I mean, wow, what a legend that guy is. Um, you know, unbelievable career. Four years. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's beautiful. So, started as a bat boy, correct? Started doing that, and he was doing, started doing equipment. I mean, yep. since he was like 16 years old, and it's been, we always joke with him that he never had a resume. Yeah. Well, they didn't have resumes when he started, <laughs> but he never had a resume never. his whole career, 54 years with the A's. Yeah, absolutely. Built, built a ton of awesome relationships. Everyone around the league you talk to, um, you know, Voos is, is number one, so it's it's awesome. How have you been? Yeah, doing good, man. Doing great. Um, enjoying enjoying my job, enjoying the team, enjoying the city. Uh, Bay Area is awesome, and and uh, always love coming back here for sure. And obviously, and obviously, the next two days we're gonna honor Ray Fossey today, yeah. who you know, and then uh, we'll honor the new Hall of Famers tomorrow. Just there's something about it happens in all the two team markets but especially in this one when it everybody gets together yeah. it's just something special A's Giants Bay Bridge series yeah absolutely i mean the rivalry with the fans is is awesome and then you know just just the working relationships of you know kind of crossing paths has has been awesome as well and and um, you know ray ray was uh, man he he was amazing so many great stories about him and 
um, you know, obviously Voos tomorrow as well. So it's a beautiful time to be be here at the uh, Oaken Coliseum. Correct. Did, it, just call it the Oaken okay. Coliseum. All right. There's <laughs> wait, wait. You don't <laughs> too need many, to, too many things. You don't need to worry about that. You know, the one thing about Ray that I don't think a lot of the fans know is that you know here's a guy who's a two-time World Series champion and All-Star and everything. But how much he loved you, the players. It didn't yeah. matter what generation, yeah. he loved the players and always had your back. Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> I remember talking to him countless times in his in his office down there by the weight room. And um, one, one of, I, mean, I lost my dad a few years ago. And, and um, you know, with Ray, he, he got to know the families that were always around as well. I mean, he was so giving, um, always wanting to just chat it up. And, and my dad and him built a really cool relationship. My dad would bring him up dibs into the press box all the time during the yeah. games. And, um, you know, it was just, it was, it was awesome. And those are the type of memories that I remember outside of the baseball things is just the relationship building, the, the respect he had for um, current uh, players, former players, their families, you know, what they go through on a daily basis. And just the, just the bridges he built, you know, um, amongst the families and, and players, you know. I think about this place for you. You starred here. I mean, you blew people away out on that mound. And I know when you get here and you got to get prepared, you got your staff, you got meetings, you got to deal with the catchers, pitchers, get everybody ready. But do you ever take time to sit back and look out and just kind of remember what, what you did on that mound? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, this place is is always, always special to me, always will be. Um, it was my first taste of the big leagues and, and – um, having having success personally here was was awesome i always enjoy coming back here I'm, even my my guys now give me you know a ton of crap for it and they're like oh the the, the house at balesville and, uh, <laughs> you know just catching up with selman uh on the line he's like every fifth day we see you on the leaderboard here with the oakland A's saves leaders and um so it's it's man it's i, I i'm just blessed to, to be a part of this organization this franchise being drafted by them and and such a uh, a homegrown um organization um really really awesome and blessed to have my start here i don't i honestly don't think if i was in another organization i'd i, I would have had the opportunities i would have had that's interesting and and obviously the opportunity of baseball from a player has led to this you know last year when we talked to you you guys were riding high led to 107 victories far different story this year just how tough has it been this year versus what you saw last year? Yeah, I mean, I don't think, you know, I hope hopefully I'll be in baseball for another 30 or 40 years, uh, but I, I don't. There's I don't, a good chance. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I would see another season like that. I, I you know, such a unicorn season. Everything went right. Everything um, in game, players, health, you know, a lot of things went right. And um, we hit we hit all the right buttons. The players, you know, uh, the culture there was great. The culture's there great now, but. Uh, baseball is such a funny, funny uh, game year to year. Uh, a lot of the same current roster injuries, of course. Um, you know, running into some tough one-run games, and uh, but we still believe in ourselves. I mean, we're not we're not totally out of it. We know we got to get going here and get hot. Um, we have a lot of we play all the teams in front of us still, and That's true, um, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously, post All-Star break has been tough. We ran into rough eight games with the Dodgers, and. Um, but we, we got to get right, and, and we, we believe in ourselves. So um, outside playoff is, you know, we're, the, the chances um, to, to get there are still in our, our – we, we still control that. Uh, and, and last season, man, it was like that's why you take those – that's why you take those seasons, like you don't take them for granted. You know, they don't come around too often. Um, I don't think we'll ever be, um, you know, they, the, the Dodgers, so to speak. I mean, they're, they're obviously superstars up and down the lineup. And 
um, we, we believe in ourselves as a team and, and how we do things and, um, you know, worked to beautifully last year. And this year we just fell, we fell on some misfortune so far, but it doesn't mean it's over yet. Knowing that we we're going to have you on today, obviously A's fans love it. They get to see you and you're always going to Oh, we're a, on TV too. Yeah, huh? yeah. I yeah. didn't know that. We've stepped our game up over Wow, here. look at this. So the thing that I really wanted to ask you, because you're going to – I don't know if you're going to know, but being a former bullpen guy, this is like the question that – that is so tough to answer for front office people is because we're dealing with human beings. Yeah. We have these big bullpens, right? Yeah. One year you can have a bullpen that's absolutely lights out. We saw we saw Blake Trinan have a Dennis Eckersley-like year. It was yeah. one of the great. He got MVP votes. Yeah. And then the next year it's not the same. The yeah. bullpen's not the same. Why is it so hard year after year to have a consistent bullpen? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, um, you know, a lot of guys, what we preach is stick to your strengths, and they always do. And you look at Tyler Rogers with our with our with our team. I mean, two years he was one of the most dominant relievers in baseball. This year he's kind of going through a little bit. Uh, doesn't mean that we've lost any confidence in him. It's just that balls are finding holes. You know, I mean, things things happen like that, and, and you can't control the ball once it leaves your hand. And um, the baseball gods kind of speak differently. And uh, I always joke with like um, some of my front office friends, like if I signed a reliever, I'd always sign him to a two-year deal because you're always going to get one good one and one bad one, you know? <laughs> <laughs> never, You never know which one's going to come first, you know? So uh, if you sign him and he has a bad one first, then, you know, whatever. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, you just don't know. There's, there's, it's, it's hit or miss. And, I mean, that's why the good ones stay around for so long, the ones that are so consistent um, being in the bullpen. And it's, it's so tough. I mean, you see the, the volatility of the roster management and construction from a bullpen. It's kind of that carousel effect i know they've they've put limitations on there recently this season but um yeah it's just it's just so it's so hard to stabilize as a as a key bullpen piece i mean you have to be so consistent uh for years and years and years and um those guys play forever and it's driven me nuts for a long time that a lot of our great closers they didn't get the love for the hall of fame Right? They, they may seem like, ah, those are not the hardest outs to get. Ah. Yeah. And now we're looking at these bullpens. You're starting to realize, you know what? What Mariano Rivera did, yeah. what Trevor Hoffman did, oh, yeah. Raleigh Fingers, Dennis oh, yeah. Eckersley, yourself, all these guys. Like, Billy Wagner not being in the Hall of Fame is a joke. Yeah. Should we now start to see and have more appreciation for the guys who were able to get saves and rack up those big save numbers all those years? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I – as a former closer myself, I, I'm not one to believe that, you know, the highest leverage comes in the ninth. It's definitely different. The, those three outs are definitely different uh, over over a long stretch of games. Um, but I, I do believe that there isn't enough appreciation for, for the guys that have done it for such a long time. But, um, yeah, I mean, Billy Wagner, don't please don't group me in those guys. I played half the time they did. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough inning. I mean, there's there's usually no one behind you. You know, there's no safety net, and that's the that's the scariest thing about the ninth inning is is just there's no safety net, and you have to you have to block that out and, and go get a job done. And um, typically, there's no no matchup. You know, it's not matchup dependent left or right. You just got the ninth right. And um, I think there's there's a there's multiple ways to do it. And um, when bullpens are, are uh, a little inconsistent, you try and match up a little bit more than, than say, you just throw guys in the eighth or a ninth. I like to ask pick, pitching coaches this because they're starting to be the death of the starting pitcher because mm -hmm. the lack of the innings pitched, and mm -hmm. we're relying more on bullpens than ever before. Are you worried about the lack of innings we're getting from starters around the entire game? Um, 
I think overall, no. I, th I think your horses are still getting the job done. Um, you know, I, the 200 inning mark is, is a lot. I don't know how many you're going to see of those. But, uh, I mean, starting pitching is, is what, what wins, right? Anytime we have any one of our guys go six, seven, eight innings sometimes, um, you know, those games are just like, oh, man, that was a piece of cake. You know, as a manager or as a pitching coach, you don't have decisions to make, you know. Um, but I, I understand the, the, the numbers behind things and the third time through and, um, you know, the health risks and your investments there. So, um, you know, that's a tough question. But you're always going to have the guys that are just different. You know, I don't, I don't think – I don't – if you have a front end of a one, two, three, like – those guys are always going to – you're always going to want them to go. I think your fours and fives, you know, it's a little different. You know, it's the guys that you might have to protect a little bit third time through or match up, you know, a little bit strongly, you know, in the fifth or sixth inning. Um, so I, I, those guys are just different. The front end horses are just different than, than the rest of the rotation. And it just – that's a matter of fact. You know, those guys are just different. Let's end on this. Are you thrilled now about the National League West? Now you got Juan Soto. Fernando Tatis Jr. is coming back. You got Machado. You got Mookie Betts. You got Freddie Freeman. Yeah, absolutely. You got a lot of talent Let's in this go. division you got to yeah, worry about. No doubt. I mean, we beat everyone last year. Uh, we beat the Dodgers last year. We won the division. No way. No, you know, obviously this year it's going to be winning divisions can be really tough at the position we're in. But all you have to do is get into the dance, man. And, and we proved we proved to them that we could beat them last year for their own brand of baseball. Uh, we worry about us and, and the way we do things. And, um, yeah, that's all we can control. So um, I don't think we need the quote-unquote superstar talent that gets, you know, uh, marketed by MLB or social media or whatever. Then uh, whatever, uh, you know, this year all we need to do is get in a dance and, and we can win this thing. Next year, same thing. So uh, I'm not too worried. I think we can prove that we can handle ourselves last year. We always appreciate your time, folks. Awesome. That's an A's all-star right there coming back to <laughs> Thanks, town. Guys. We appreciate it. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Is baseball just so dramatically different than the other four major professional sports leagues? Because it's real easy when you look at an NFL team, right? You can immediately look at certain stats, and I can tell you why a team wins and why a team loses. You can just look right out of the gate. You know the answers, right? If you don't win the turnover battle, you got no shot. Yeah, there's certain things. If your offensive line gives up a ton of sacks, you got no shot. Like, there's just certain things that you can look at inside the game. Like, you don't even have to know the names on the backs of the jerseys. You can just look at certain stats and say, well, let's see, this is where they are in first downs. This is where they are in the turnover differential. This is where there are just certain things you can go, that, that team has no chance of winning games. Simple. You can do the same thing in the NBA. 
Hockey, eh, I'm not so sure. But basketball, same thing. You can look at. There's certain things you can look at. If teams don't do well, they are not going to win. Baseball, well, listen to what you just heard from Andrew Bailey, former Oakland Athletic, now turned pitching coach, all-star rookie of the year. Like, they're, they're talking – they're, what they're going to sell to us now, the San Francisco Giants, is just how odd the season has gone, right? It's going to be very, very odd. What, why, why have we – I mean, this is literally a historic drop-off. Has there ever been a team – we've played over 150 years of baseball. Have we ever seen a team win 107 games and then the next year the great Dave Cavill walking by? Um have we ever seen a team then not be 500? Forget not make the playoffs. Okay, that's understandable. But a team go from winning 107 games. What are they at right now? 50 51 fi- and 55. They've as many win- they've as many losses this year as they had all of last year. Has that ever happened? In 150 plus years of baseball, has a team ever had a winning percentage like they did one year and the next year completely fall off like that? Uh, the only team that comes to mind, but it, it, you actually can't say it because 2020 was a shortened year, but if you want to go from 21 to 20, tw- 19 to 21, I think the Twins didn't make the playoffs last year. But not a drop-off like this. The Twins won 100 games that year, but they weren't very good last year. I'm not including the Wait 2020 year. Well, then you can't include that. I'm talking year to year. You're having a team that won 107 games and a few months later get it going again and they're terrible. And as you just heard Andrew Bailey say, hey, there's just a lot of things that haven't gone our way. I mean, there's so, yeah. There's, and there's some unlucky parts of this that mm-hmm. you could throw, you know. You know, as he said, you know, pit, the ball leaves a pitcher's hand. He has no control anymore. So it's like it, it, it's, it's a lot of things out of their control is the reason why they're not the same team. Whatever it is, it is a historic drop-off that, of course, our media in the Bay Area is not going to cover and not going to harp on. I can tell you, having been over at NBC the last couple weeks and being around all the Giants people, they're still going to try and put lipstick on this. They're still going to try and cover this thing up. But what you're seeing right now behind us on, on YouTube and on Twitter is a dumpster fire after 107 wins when you're sitting there and you're talking about oh my god look how great the roster construction is it's money Moneyball 2.0 right we're going to play all these splits the way we're going to utilize our guys the way farhan built the roster and gabe kapler and the way they work together and how they they utilize how many times did we heard heard here that we heard the line last year Look how they utilize the roster on a day-to-day basis. I heard that over and over and over. They're brilliant with the way they use all their players. Look how many guys, look at the pinch hits. Look at the pitch pitch hit home runs. Look how they're putting all their players in a place to be successful. On and on and on and how brilliant everybody was. Let's talk about the brilliance of the front office and the brilliance of the manager. Few months later, Dumpster fire. Is everybody not so brilliant anymore? Right now they said seven games out of the wild card. 
They have a 3.2% chance of making the postseason, according to Fangraphs. And a note that I saw last week, I, don't, I haven't followed them as much as since last week, but Crawford, La Stella, Belt, and Longoria have all been in the same lineup three times so far this year. Three times those guys have been in the lineup this year. La Stella, Crawford, Belt, and Longoria, three times. Those are guys, you're, and that's what happens when you have an infield of 33-plus-year-old guys playing every, you're trying to play every day when everyone else is going young. And one of those guys is not in a contract a year anymore. Brandon Crawford, correct. It's amazing what happens. Brandon Belt is. It's amazing what happens in contract years. Well, for them, a big question is going to be going forward. And whether the people who cover them have the, you know what, the cojones to actually really challenge Larry Bear, challenge Farhan. Hey, look, man, the people around you are all in. The L.A. Dodgers continue to be all in, and not only do they go surround themselves with quality players, but they go out and get stars. They go out and get the dudes, spend the money, and bring the people in. Now you got the Padres bringing in Soto. They've already put out the money in Machado. they put out the money in, uh, in Fernando Tatis Jr. Don't forget Bell and Hayter, too. <laughs> They got the best closer, arguably, too. They're going out and getting people, and what's your answer to it? Dixon Machado. Well, seriously, what is your when you really look at it, what, what has been your long-term, long what have you done? And you can forget from Brian Sabian to Farhan. What is this ownership group, and now Bobby Dean, and a lot of you don't know who Bobby Dean is, but Bobby Dean really is speaking for the ownership group right now ever since Larry Bear's little mishap that he had uh, that, that went public. But what, what, what is this ownership that's made all of this money? And they now have seen their attendance drop. They've seen their season ticket base drop. What are they doing for the sizzle on the stake? You know, you haven't seen, I haven't seen a big-time guy say, you know what, I want to play there, I'm going to sign there and I want to be there long-term, and I want this to be my baseball home. They've missed out on everybody. So if you want to be a big-time player in your own division, because as great as three championships are, and they are great, we're now 2022, 2014. I mean, I mean, I saw Andres Torres. Got to remember him, 2010. Yeah. I saw him the other day in the NBC studios. I'm like, he does pre and post now, right? Or something. That was a long time ago. That's 12 years ago. 2010, 12, 14. I, I was mean, still in college. There you go. So each year you start getting further away. Say the th same thing about the A's. We can look at ourselves. 89. Hell, I was in high school in 1989. I wasn't even a year old yet. But if you're a team that claims it has the best ballpark, you got a great TV contract, you're making a ton of money, and this is the product you're putting out. Not good. You're, I mean, last year you're selling how brilliant you were by playing all your players and, and hey, we're using the splits and the data and we're, we're, the way we're utilizing our roster and the data, we're as good or better than anybody else. Now you flopped. What are you going to do going forward? Because, hey, one of the things that does work in, in our game, unfortunately we haven't seen, but you, you stars sell. Yeah. I mean. You want to see the stars. You want to have primetime play. Who doesn't want to have – I mean – who doesn't want to I'll bring it back to you, San Francisco people? You don't want to have Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Ronnie Lott, you, any of them. You don't want to have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. I mean, I'd like to have that for the A's. Yeah. 
I'm hoping that is. You're trying to tell me to get out of here? I'm ready to go. Yeah, we got pregame. I got pregame? Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed a special edition of A's Cast Live from the field on a Saturday before game one of the Bay Bridge Series. Of course, we had the great Steve Vucinich going into A's Hall of Fame tomorrow. What a great class. We'll have also a special edition tomorrow going for you on A's Total Access. The Rookie of the Year and All-Star Andrew Bailey, now the Giants pitching coach, came over. And then, of course, we had the Mark Kotze show for you. What are we playing next? Uh, we're going to start. You'll hear a little bit of Last Call with Jess and Amelia before Ace Total Access at 3.07. Last Call next, then Ace Total Access brought to you by Chevron. Thank you for listening and watching A's Cast Live. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 